We just stepped on their face with a hobnailed boot and broke their nose. One, two, three. Bullshit. Welcome to the Todd Around Podcast. I'm your host, David Bethay, coming to you today from the Asteroid M Studios. And I'm joined by my good friend, uh, William Lindblad, a.k.a. Sir Arthur Mycroft, if you're a fan of our website. Uh, William is our resident Marvel and comic book expert, but he specifically specializes in MCU and MCU theory. So, William, tell the people what's up. Hi, everybody. <laughs> um, and uh, if you're new to the show, please make sure you uh, subscribe on iTunes or Spotify or any major podcasting platform. And you can follow us by searching for Title Run Sports on Facebook and Twitter. And you can also email us at titlerunsports at gmail.com. We'll use this time to go over theories, um, pop culture things. It'll basically be a little bit of a diversion from our typical discussion on all things Georgia sports. So with comic books and superheroes and spaceships being real points of interest for myself and William and Scott and some of the other guys here at title run. Uh, we thought we'd take time to discuss some of some theories for how we can get one of our favorite groups of characters, the X-Men into the MCU. So William, you've spent a lot of time thinking about this, writing about it. We've talked about it a good bit. I would love to hear your top theories for how we can get the X-Men into the MCU. And when I say X-Men, Really, let me backtrack and say, not any specific version of the X-Men, but really mutants as a whole group into the MCU with the Fox Disney merger, Disney now owning those properties. What are your best theories for getting mutants into the MCU? So, first of all, let me just convey how exciting it is to finally have the uh, the X-Men properties back where they belong. Hallelujah. And fill, yes. uh, just filling, uh, filling out the, uh, the MCU with more of awesomeness that they have um, at their disposal. So mutants, uh, mutants are a, a vital, vital central part of the, the Marvel comics landscape. You mean uh, the enhanced? <laughs> yes. The enhanced. So they, bad. they can finally use the word mutant. Now. Yeah. Um, that's so that's, that's one barrier gone, yeah. but um, it's, I think for people like myself and I think you as well, like, the X-Men was sort of the, the gateway drug mm-hmm. to the, uh, the Marvel universe. Um, it's that and Spider-Man uh, for the most part yes. for me were what drug me in uh, to, to liking Marvel characters and Marvel plots and, and uh, things like that. So, yes. Did you by any chance have the trading cards that had like the power levels and things <laughs> on the back? Is that, was that just a, a thing up here in Northeast Georgia? Because I, I absolutely had. I had. I had multiple okay. versions of Spider-Man uh, car. I had decks of them of uh, the the nineteen nineties. Yes. Um, X-Men cars that were like oil paintings almost. Yeah, seriously, the they were. And then the back, they had like their like your your uh, code name, your real name, the uh, the power set that the person had, um, kind of like a a wireframe diagram of the the picture and like yes. this is where the powers come from. Okay, see, I'm glad that wasn't just me. I remember like everybody wanted to get ones like Phoenix. We were mm-hmm. always like why is Cyclops so powerful? We think he's lame and <laughs> like things, and things like that and like you said a lot of those had these detailed pictures that were like the Alex Ross type comic book drawings. Mm-hmm. Alex Ross is famous for doing a lot of his work with like like old paintings and they had those type those type illustrations 
and you'd look at these and you're like, these are like little works of art. Mm. Anyways, that's a diversion. I just had to ask you that because as it's one of the nerdy things, that, many nerdy things that I did as a child. So anyways, oh, yeah. please continue. Oh, and that, yeah. And that was a very easy intro to, to the Marvel universe for me uh, mm-hmm. as a child because I watched the cartoons on TV after school and on Saturdays and stuff. And then you get the cards and the cards kind of explain a lot of the backstories without having to pick up years and years of back issue comic books. Yeah. Um, but the mutants, the mutants are coming. Uh, and I have some ideas as to how that might happen based on the what's gone before in the, the MCU so far with phase one, uh, phases one, two, and three, uh, the infinity saga, as they call it now. But um, the first one just out of the blue would be that the mutants have been here all along, just kind of keeping a low profile, keeping secret uh, in the shadows and things like that. So that, they might uh, show their power once in a while to save a, an innocent, but mostly just kind of keeping to themselves as a, a subculture um, without interference. And I believe you called this one, we were talking the retcon theory. Is that right? A little bit. Cause a it, little bit? it okay. kind of, it's, it feels like a cheat to some level to say that yeah. all this time they've been, they've been there all along and just kind of not doing anything, not interacting in any meaningful way. Uh, and it would feel like a cheat to kind of go back and undo or redo a lot of the first three phases movies and say, Oh, this person was a mutant the whole time. And we had no idea like that. I don't, I don't, some people would think that's kind of cool. Like an Easter egg kind of thing. Like, Oh, uh, like Colson a lot with yeah. something like that. But um, well, when you I, think about the fact that like, where do like half of Marvel's uh, superheroes live? Half of New Marvel York city. Super- like, yeah. New York City, and so like the Chitauri are attacking, and none of the mutants in New York show up. Come on, man! Like it's yeah, it's yeah, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> it, so. Especially since, and the, my biggest problem with sort of that that idea is, if they've been here the whole time, and they're not utterly sociopaths, then <laughs> they would have maybe helped out with Thanos or yeah, yeah. any of the other like world-threatening events like Ultron or. It's instead of sort of just hiding in their holes yeah. um, and Xavier school for gifted youngsters or something in the danger room. But I, that's, that's my major problem with that theory is that it, they're not really great heroes if they didn't step up when the heroes were needed. It seems like it would be the one that would have probably the most, well, it creates a significant number of holes. I don't know if it has the most holes, but it creates a significant number of holes when you ask those questions, like you said, what were they doing? Yeah, kind of heroes just let Thanos destroy the world or let Loki run wild in New York. So yeah, it's it's got a few of its own issues. So, oh, please continue. Yeah, well, and and plus I think with with the idea of like the retcon or the the redo or the, the pulling back the curtain a little bit on some of the other movies, I think Endgame did that successfully already. With uh, mm-hmm. for example the um, the Ancient One and do it using the Mystic Arts to help during the Battle of New York with Loki and the Chitauri mm-hmm. invasion. And I think that playing that card again would sort of cheapen it a little bit to say, oh, there were all these other people that weren't doing anything. And we were just focusing on these six uh, random people running around the city. But all this other stuff was happening. It just comes across as cheap. Now, there is an alternate version of this um, that they haven't always existed in the the Marvel Universe. Um, And it's a little better, I think, in terms of making the narrative work with less holes um, and that is the Ultimates universe, which uh, the, the MCU 
draws heavily from in terms of like character design and character development and personalities um, and some of the story plot elements. Uh, you mentioned that, that before. Yeah, you mentioned that, that before. And and the thing about mutants in that universe that's not the main Marvel universe, but it's like a side parallel universe, is that mutants were basically created slash discovered um, on accident by um, a secret government project that was trying to recreate Captain America. Mm. Um, the U.S. had created Captain America to fight in World War II. Uh, and then sometime around that time, um, some scientists kind of defected to Canada and Canada wanted their own Captain America for themselves, uh, Captain Canada, if you will. And um, some scientists were experimenting. They, they were recruited much in the same way that Hydra was recruited um, in the MCU into S.H.I.E.L.D. to do research. Mm-hmm. And they produced uh, a weapons program and discovered in some of their test subjects, this genome that existed Mm. that they had not known about until then. And through some experimentation, activated some genes in that genome and basically created the X gene that gives mutants their superpowers. Um, And the first mutant patient zero that they experimented on was James Howlett, AKA Mm. Wolverine. Uh, So he becomes sort of patient zero for all mutants everywhere. When that genome gets released into the public, um, the, the interesting thing there is Magneto is not um, a Holocaust survivor like he is in the main mm, universe, okay. but he, his parents were both scientists that worked on that weapons project and he was disgusted by it and freeze Logan or freeze James Howlett Wolverine. Mm. And uh, that sort of uh, works with his, his ideology later on. Uh, I think that that's, pretty much the largest plot or the largest hole that I would see in this particular idea of them bringing it in this way um, as a government experiment in that it compresses all of the mutant history into like a hundred year span Mm -hmm. between World War II and present. Um, So you lose a lot of the the longer term characters like Apocalypse, like Mr. Sinister that's from Mm -hmm. like Victorian England, um, a lot of the other uh, folks from previous Exodus, uh, if you like the uh, the deep dives characters from from Marvel, um, he was a uh, crusader soldier from France. So you lose kind of him as well in his backstory, and he fits in actually with the Black Knight, which is going to be featured in the Eternals. Uh, he was a friend of the original Black Knight, or one of the original Black Knights. Um, but the, the good thing, or I guess what makes it fit or what makes it more plausible, more um, convenient for the MCU would be the idea of the super soldier program and it being spawned from a super soldier program because a lot of the things that have happened in the MCU are the direct result of chasing after that the idea of a super soldier. Mm-hmm. You have Captain yeah. America, you have the Hulk was a, a, a failed experiment to create another super soldier serum. Uh, the Abomination was another one mm-hmm. that was based off of the Hulk trying to make it better. You have the uh, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier that's coming up and that, that whole thing, the, the, uh, the leaks and the rumors surrounding that or that they're making another team of government sponsored superheroes with super soldier serums. Um, you have Bucky, the Winter Soldier, and all of those yeah. uh, that were Hydra-affiliated super soldiers from that little blue packets they were injected with. But um, 
there, there's definitely a precedent in the MCU for super soldier programs across the world and probably going to be revealed more and more. And I think that that sort of fits thematically with this idea of governments tampering with people to make them better and to make them soldiers for whatever cause or nation that wants to have them. And so I think that fits a little better than just having mutants exist and being secret cowards mm-hmm. um, the whole time. And the in terms of secrecy, the government could have literally kept everybody under wraps like a witness protection program mm-hmm. or threatening That's them a, to say, you, you have to stay quiet or we will kill you. you and your family or whatever um, nefarious things that these programs might do. I mean, they're already experimenting on people. It's not a big jump to, to throw in extortion and violence. Uh, along with it. Okay, so William, I'm gonna ask you this question right now. I think I already know the answer to this. Who is the mutant you are most excited to see? (laughs) Um, The the mutant that I most want to see. Or maybe even your top three. In the MCU, my favorite mutant, my favorite X-Man is Gambit. Remy, Etienne LeBeau. I know his middle name. That's how much of a favorite he is. I've recently ordered a Funko Pop of him for Father's Day. Um, but I, I am most excited to see him because, like, like uh, I think we, we both know that Doctor Doom is my one of my favorite characters yeah. in all of Marvel. Yeah. He's not a mutant, which is kind of irrelevant to this conversation. But yeah. uh, he, he's somebody that I desperately want to see join the MCU. I think he's one of the greatest characters in all of comics, let alone Marvel comics. And so I want him to be represented well in the MCU and I trust Ooh. them to do that. Over two I, so far. <laughs> and, and, um, Gambit is somebody that I put in that same category. of yeah. I, I desperately want to see him done. Well, I think he's a great character. I think his personality is great. I think his powers are cool. Mm-hmm. Um, the various versions of him across the different Marvel universes that exist in the comics. Uh, one is like a beyond Omega level. He destroyed a planet because he charged it so much with his powers. Okay. Um, I've like never last, heard that story. Yeah. He's, he's like the last survivor and it's purely because in the main Marvel com- comics continuity, if I understand correctly, he made a deal with Mr. Sinister to do some dirty work for him. And in exchange, Mr. Sinister brought his powers under control and that kind of tampered him down a little bit. Yeah. Everybody knows that the mutant that, people want to see most is Cyclops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the run he had with the Astonishing X-Men back when like the uh, the White Queen made him a little bit more interesting after Jean Grey's death because he's kind of, like you said, he was kind of fractured mm-hmm. and he didn't really give two craps about how he uses powers. And they showed that his powers were actually extraordinarily immense. Mm-hmm. And so it actually made him a lot more of an enjoyable character, I thought. But um, I think, I don't know. I don't know what my choice is for my favorite. It's just hard because it's like, you know, like picking your favorite kid. You know, we talk about, we joke about that. But um, <laughs> I would I would necessarily want to see this person redone, but I loved the portrayal of Nightcrawler mm-hmm. that was done in X2, Mutant United. I thought that was a really good portrayal of that character and actually fairly true to the, to the source material. And I just think he'd be really cool to see done in the MCU. He's just, he's one of the ones I would say. It'd be cool to see done in the MCU. So. He, he's, he's definitely one that was he was done very well in his introduction in X2 mm-hmm. and then uh, when they did like the first class rendition of him when he was younger yeah. I think it's sort of like you just picked a, a child actor that was in something popular that you wanted to cast this actor in and the the, the costume sort of wore the actor <laughs> rather than the actor 
being the character uh, that I thought Alan Cumming and X2, I thought he, like you said, he it was a very good portrayal. It was, it was very comics accurate. He was very religious and concerned about like the right and wrong of what he's doing. He was very swashbuckly and very in his own power. So like, he understood his own powers into where he could like do it without thinking almost. Mm-hmm. He wasn't uh, cartoonishly religious, but he, and he also got one of the best action sequences probably in the entire original trilogy where oh, yeah. you know, there wasn't really a whole lot of action in the first movie, but yeah. All right, so I diver- I I digress. Um, moving on. So you talked so far about the idea of we call it, for lack of a better term, the retcon theory, where they kind of acknowledge that mutants have been around this whole time, and then the idea of the government experiment, which those are kind of under the same umbrella. Am I saying that correctly? Uh, I believe so. Yeah, it's you okay. have the, basically that they've they've been around for a while, just kind of kept under wraps, either from themselves or through threats from the government that created them all right so what are your what are your other your other best theories all right so the second little i guess barrel of of uh, ideas can be summarized by reality tampering i guess would be a good summary um the main thing here that i could think of would be that somehow the the snap of Thanos with the Infinity Gauntlet or any number combination thereof. There was like four, I think, a uh, grand total of between Infinity War and Endgame. And either any one of those or all of them combined or whatever could lead to the emergence of mutant genes being activated in the population. Uh, they made a big deal in Endgame uh, with Rocket explaining how to track where the uh, where the Infinity Gauntlet had gone, where Thanos had gone after he had won essentially in an Infinity War, um, that when the snap happened, it created this like huge shockwave release of energy that traveled across the universe, and that its epicenter was on Earth, and that's sort of where they they picked on that up on that signal, and they said it happened again on this planet, and they went and found him um, at that planet. But essentially, because of that energy and it being gamma based, and we know that gamma radiation can create things like the Hulk, uh, it can create mutations. It's that strong of an energy that somehow one or more of the snaps might have triggered these genes being activated Mm. um, in people across the universe, specifically on Earth, because that's where three of the four snaps took place between the two movies. And that also would explain why there's a preponderance of mutants amongst humanity compared to other uh, species that we've come across. Like, for example, uh, the Kree or the Scrolls, there, there aren't a lot of mutants proportionate to their population size as humans um, have mutants. So that would explain that from the comics. Uh, if you tied it to a snap um, and the energy release there, uh, because you have the energy of space, time, soul, mind, all of these things being gone all at once. Yeah. And what you said there is probably my favorite part of it when you explain this, because like people that have mental like professor x you could say okay he got his psychic abilities from the mind stone or someone that has energy projection could have gotten theirs from the power stone and like i think or strength whatever like i thought that was really really cool um night nightcrawler could get his ability to teleport from the space stone Mm -hmm. that just i love that because that to me makes just so much sense and would explain why we hadn't seen these characters previously yeah, it's like you're encapsulating and embodying the powers of the Infinity Gauntlet in regular people. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that the, the uh, like sort of like a, 
a theory uh, part A, I guess, yeah. or part B would be if it wasn't the snaps, um, the energy release during the snap itself, it could also specifically be the second snap when Thanos, after having won, uh, destroys the Infinity Gauntlet or destroys the uh, the Infinity Stones with his second snap before he goes into retirement to make sure that it can't be undone. And energy dissipates to yeah okay. yeah, and so sort of it's sort of like a conservation of energy, um, sort of uh, mystically speaking. Has to where, go somewhere. Yeah, it has. It, so these these concepts still exist in our universe, space, time, soul, mind, etc., power, and so they basically instead of being condensed into a stone each they sort of dispersed amongst the populations of the universe and um that leads to the powers manifesting as mutants when it accumulates to a certain level in a person yeah like you said i like that sorry no no i'm I'm agreeing with you i like that like you think about the scarlet witch having maybe the powers the time stone and the reality stone both Mm -hmm. Like it just that that theory is probably the one out of all of them that makes the most sense, presents the fewest holes. I I just love the idea about how it explains and ties together so many things from the universe. Oh yeah, absolutely, and it would explain Scarlet Witch's powers being red, even though mm-hmm. she got her powers apparently from the Mind Stone, which is yellow yeah. in the MCU. That her powers are actually manifesting as red energy, which in the comics makes sense because her powers are reality warping, basically. And the reality stone in the MCU is red, yeah. and so it would make sense to make that sort of adjustment. I think they're trying to they're trying to change her her backstory on her explanation of her powers. She's no longer just telekinetic or whatever. She's um, some sort of mystical crossover or something like that. And I get but, it because initially you don't want to make her overpowered, which they did a pretty good job of so far in the MCU of not having overpowered heroes or villains. And I, if you gave her what her powers really were like the snap probably never happens because she could just yeah. reverse reality, you know, with what, with what happens in the house of M she could just, you know, so I, it kind of makes sense why they didn't go there at that point. It would not be good for storytelling. Yeah. It's, 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 it's too convenient. It takes away the, the, uh, the emergency or the imminence of mm-hmm. the infinity gauntlet. If you're like, Oh, that you have, you have a pretty little hand, like a metal glove that's cute i can do this yeah exactly like snap her fingers like i can do this i don't even need stones yeah exactly (laughs) so so i kind of i can understand why they why that was the way it was all right any other theories uh well there is the there is the uh the scarlet witch doing Ah, a reverse from the comics okay which is i i i classify it with the snaps because it's essentially just randomly altering reality at a fixed point in time and that is um in the comics, there's a famous moment. Even I think non-comic book nerds know the phrase "No more mutants," and that's uh, I believe it's the House of M, um, the Decimation uh, crossover storyline from the comics. And that is she she finally just like snaps. She Scarlet Witch in the comics to back up a little bit. Her grip on reality is loose tenuous <laughs> uh, at best and so she's prone to sort of emotional outbursts mm. of anguish and that sort of is to be expected when your father is magneto and you're raised by like a witch and and some other thing. like she, she had a weird childhood and obviously and so when when things go horribly horribly wrong in her life uh and in the storyline here i believe it's her children are um 
they're revealed to not actually be her children. They're just sort of illusions. And that causes her to lose it. And she gets really upset, uh, says no more mutants, and just undoes the vast majority of the mutant population and depowers all but like a handful of mutants for with no rhyme or reason as to who keeps their powers and who loses their powers. Even I think Magneto might have been depowered in that situation. Um, her father, but I've never actually uh, read House of M. I've read this ironically, the follow-up to it, which was the Messiah Complex, which is really mm-hmm. interesting. But I've actually never read House of M. That's kind of on my list as we go through, you know, quarantine readings. I just finished actually World War <laughs> Hulk, which was amazing. It's the follow-up to Planet Hulk both of which would have made great movies. Anyways, not important. But this idea of Scarlet Witch kind of doing, I guess, a reverse House of M event and creating the mutants, yeah. is that kind of what so, you're going Yeah, with? so okay. instead of getting rid of them, you have her essentially ushering them all into existence simultaneously, which would be a, quite, a, quite a surprise, I think, for, <laughs> for people just kind of sitting in their, their living rooms watching TV and all of a sudden like their eyes are shooting lasers or, <laughs> or whatnot. I don't know what I don't know what Cyclops does. Can you his... imagine being Hank McCoy? Like, what the crap, dude? I just got out of the. Sh- Why is there blue hair in my shower? <laughs> if one of those, it's like one of what, uh, like a Kevin McAllister, like wipe off the uh, <laughs> the condensation from the the bathroom mirror. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like that that kind of creates like again. That's probably based on what her powers are in the comic book. Very, it makes sense, but. I feel like it again would be one of the ones that would have a lot of suspension of disbelief required mm-hmm. to really make it work. Yeah, I think based on what they've set up so far, they would have to do a lot of backtracking to, and not to say it's impossible because again, I I implicitly trust the people running the MCU. They've done great things so far, and they haven't really had a misstep um, overall. They've done there's some things that they could have done better, and I think they know that in terms of villains and um, and characterizations and stuff and wasted opportunity, but um, generally they're good at what they're doing. Can we stop killing all the villains, good ones and bad ones? Like, Oh, we can kill them and then bring them back. And then it'll make perfect sense. Like the comics. Nobody stays dead in the comics, but we get a great villain, like villain, like Killmonger and he's Mm -hmm. gone for one movie. It almost seems like a waste. Yeah. Although I, I hear tell, there's like a, a rumor that he might be in the second movie. I don't I've know heard if, that too. if they're going to find a way to bring him back to life or clone him or if he's just like a vision. Well, here's the question. Since he was a Black Panther, does he get to go to the astral plane? The ancestral, that is the a ancestral good plane. Yeah, because he was a Black Panther. That is a good question because at least with the comics, uh, Bast, their, their panther god or goddess mm-hmm. that they worship, um, and that the panther powers come from in the comics. It she's sort of a uh, a neutral party. Mm-hmm. She's not like and you you have like the Judeo Christian God where it's like I reward people that are righteous and do the right thing and follow like the commandments and everything. And then you have Bast, who is I respect people that are pragmatic and and get the job done. <laughs> like she at one point she she deemed Doom worthy. I think to have the panther powers are oh like she she chose doom over her own wakandan people <laughs> he's like he's got a point it's like what doom you're our the, god you're supposed to take our side doom is the man all right before this runs too long um what any other theories good or bad <laughs> there 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 are 
other theories uh, in terms of what we're talking about and in terms of um, plausible and maybe happening. Uh, the only other one I can think of is, and this is sort of what I want, but not want at the same time. Uh, and that is we're talking about a multiverse. Now we've, we've introduced the concept of the multiverse and the different timelines and divergent histories and alternate realities and all that fun stuff with the quantum realm and time travel and all that. And the other option is what I want to happen is for the next phases to lead into secret wars with battle world and the incursions where different versions of planet earth are colliding. And each time you have to destroy one earth before uh, they're both destroyed and it destroys all of reality. And I think that one of the ways to introduce the X-Men would be through that uh, and have them be like maybe the, the main timeline of the MCU that we've seen so far doesn't have mutants in it just by, by, by sheer probability or chance, but other universes that might start uh, having the boundaries eroded between ours and theirs. You might see some slippage from like, they might have mutants. They, the mutants might come over to our side um, if their world is ending or something like that. Um, and we can rescue them and they can help out as best they can. The downside to that, and the, re the reason I don't want it to happen necessarily, or don't think it would be a good idea, is that it sort of, again, destroys this idea of a hit the history of the mutant population. Mm, yeah. um, like you have the apocalypse and, the, and things like that that are like historical and they, they work through time with their master plans. Um, or you have the team dynamics. And so it, it wouldn't make sense to have like universe B, you have Cyclops and Storm pop out of there and join the MCU. And then universe C, you have your Wolverine and your Rogue or whatever coming out of there. And that's, it sort of ruins the, the, the backstories and the personal relationships from the comics um, that you have these people getting thrown together, <laughs> fully developed in, in, terms, in, in terms of their character and not kind of growing together. Uh, like in the comics with the, uh, you have the, the first class and, and all that kind of going, basically being schoolmates and then being teammates. Um, it sort of takes the way from that. And I think that kind of diminishes the characters a little bit to, to have that sort of kind of hodgepodge thrown together sort of idea. Yeah. And, and I think the other thing with that is like for a character like Wolverine, part of the essential part of his character is fighting in multiple wars, which mm -hmm. wouldn't make sense if he's from another universe. Like they may not have had a civil war or a world war two or whatever other conflicts he was in. So it really diminishes a lot of what's essential to that character is that he is forever a warrior. And obviously Wolverine is one of the characters that everybody wants to see. Well, not everybody. I don't <laughs> want to see him. But. He, 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 he will be there because yeah. he is a bankable property. Right. He, he will be there. And so like, like you said, if you bring him from another universe, you, you erode, I think is the right word. So much of what actually made that character uh, his back so much so much of what's essential to that character's backstory yeah I mean because if, if if he's in our universe um, like as a weapon X program uh, uh, subject then you have the idea of him being in World War two and mm -hmm. in uh, the Korean War in the Vietnam what have you all the way through or, or like he was in that movie that he was in that had gambit in it too 
um, that, that movie. Maybe maybe we can forget that yeah. one. But it should it sort of it sort of showed his progression. Like he fought in like the Civil mm-hmm. War or like the eighteen hundreds, and then he fought in World War One, and then World War Two, and and sort of like that montage of him just in different uniforms and different yeah. weapons and and whatnot. Um, I it it sort of loses the effect uh at least to the to the audience i think when it's like he's suffering from um post-traumatic stress or something from a battle that the the rest of the universe is like that never happened like i don't know what you're talking about we we never did that battle here what is world war six we don't know what this is like it's like he's like oh that was in the the clone wars like what what wrong universe so All right, there were so, swords of light. So before we run incredibly long, and nobody listens to this thing, uh, give me your give me like your favorite theory out of the ones that are available and likely. What is your favorite? I I tend to favor the snaps. Okay. Either either the snaps themselves and the energy released during the snap, or the fact that when he snapped that one uh, the second time to go into retirement mm-hmm. that he atomized the the stones and that's the stone the stones power had to go somewhere yeah and i think that that the, the idea of it being a conserved energy um of the universe and having another way to find itself and to and manifesting in the universe i think gives it more of a it's it's pleasing in terms of the narrative and it also doesn't involve a lot of uh, retconning or right. um, tap dancing around mm-hmm. things to make things work. Yeah. I think the one problem with most of these theories is with just about all of them, you do lose the history. And mm-hmm. that's why it's, it's just, there's just, I don't know that there's a perfect way to do this. And yeah, you could get that if you do the House of M type event, like the reverse House of M event that we talked about. But then you're kind of going into this territory of overpowered history writing. It just, I don't know that mm-hmm. it works with the realism that they've tried to create in their universe. Yeah. That, and see, that, that was going to be my, my response to the idea of it shortening the history in that if you, if you take the, the, the idea of mutants being the result of these stones being destroyed, that if you use like the space stone and the time stone, that it doesn't necessarily have to, and I'm going to, this is going to be like weird super physics or super uh, oh, imaginary <laughs> physics. Um, it's possible that those repercussions could kind of reverberate backwards in time mm-hmm. to sort of rewrite reality from the get-go. I had that same thought. Uh, as opposed to like from now on, there will be mutants. Um, so that's sort of, if, if they went that route, mm-hmm. is, as bonkers as that is, um, and sort of hard to understand for your generic um, Saturday afternoon goer, uh, movie goer, um, you could try to cram it in that way and say well apocalypse is still existing he, he wasn't existing five minutes ago in history but now suddenly there's this person called apocalypse that we all remember and i don't know how you would explain that to to a, a movie audience right. it's just kind of <laughs> there um and they don't necessarily have degrees in yeah quantum theory and or anything like that well and here's one of the other things it does it allows wanda to get her reality changing powers because you could simply explain it as she yeah. had her mutant gene activated and it enhanced her current powers and added to it the reality-changing powers, 
without having to totally change your entire backstory. It gives you the outlet to say, oh, yeah, Wanda's one of the ones whose X gene was activated. And now she can do all these other crazy things that you've never seen her do before because she could not do them before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, it sort of replaces. And there are things like that in the, the comics. There's precedence, I guess, or basis in the comics for there being like an initial mutation when puberty hits. Mm-hmm. And then like maybe some, some mutants have a secondary mutation later in life when their powers progress to a certain point or their bodies progress to a certain point and they have either a strengthening of their power or they develop new powers or their, their physical appearance changes or what have you. It's sort of like um, with the inhumans uh, terogenesis uh, when they have the exposure to the, the mist, they don't know what's going to happen to yeah, them yeah, yeah. Um, other than like, they're going to get a superpower. Yeah. And so they don't necessarily know how it's going to manifest. Yeah. You could turn into a minotaur or you could, uh, turn into a hive of bees or whatever um, or you could just have a really really powerful voice and have to be quiet forever that would suck too it wouldn't be good for what i do all right so um <laughs> this has been this has been fascinating to me because it's kind of taking what you and i do all the time and <laughs> sharing with people and uh william will be back to do more of these uh one of the ones we'll probably will do either an article or podcast song will include his choices for characters in the MCU. And obviously, you know, it works best to get pictures. So some of his choices I love, some I disagree with. We'll be back to kind of argue and debate some of those things. But for now, uh, if you enjoyed this podcast, if you could please do us a favor and go to ratethispodcast.com slash title run sports. They give you instructions there on how you can give a rating on this podcast for this podcast on the app that you use. And it really helps the show um, as we are still very much in our infancy. Uh, William, it has been great having you. It is late. Both of us have work tomorrow. And so <laughs> we're going to get out of here. And uh, you have any last thoughts before we sign off? Uh, other than the fact that I'm super glad that the Marvel has gotten most all of its properties back and we can get the X-Men and we can get Fantastic Four and we can get Doom yes. finally into the universe. And Magneto, we, we have a whole stable full of villains <laughs> that we can use now. Uh, and it's going to get super exciting. And we might, and I think maybe our next one will actually be something we've already written about, but the villains we want to see. You and I talked about how we could get Dr. Doom and Norman Osborn into the MCU and maybe some choices for that. So maybe that's one we'll touch on next time we talk. Anyways, this is David Bethay and William Lindblad for the Title Run Podcast. Thank you for listening.